Like, subscribe, do all that stuff. And then tweet about us, because Jeremy Clarkson's been very unkind recently. To Not who? about us, but just generally. Has it? Yeah. And I don't like it, so let's spread some more love in the world and make it TK... 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 For fuck's sake. I'm going to the piss. The Kitchen is on Fire is sponsored by Drop. Drop is a wine delivery app that delivers awesome and expertly chosen wines to wherever you are in London in Zones 1 and 2, and a couple of other places. Same day. That means you could get your thirst on at tea time and have the wine with you by cocktail hour. You can also order extras, including ice-cold beer, snacky snacks, anchovies, cheese, and a Shetland pony. (laughs) Okay, we made that last one up. Download Drop from the App Store or from dropwine.co.uk and enter the promo code KITCHENONFIRE to get £10 off your first order. Forget the corner store. Use Drop. Yeah, it's raining. Fuck you. Listen up, listeners. That's James's line, but James isn't here, so I'm nicking it. Um, so this week's episode, there isn't an intro by me and James because James and I, sorry, because we were drinking beers in the pub. But to be fair to us, it wasn't really our fault. Somebody bought James a massive beer, like a Stein thing of beer, like a three-pinter in a massive glass mug, um, which he drank with two hands like it was hot chocolate. It was pretty weird. Um, but anyway, so we ran out of time to do the intro, so we just come straight in. This week's guest, the awesome Selin Kiazim of Aklava, Kayseri fame. Um, she's great. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, leave a review, <laughs> drop wine, uh, our London vodka, etc. Bye. What do you, do you? Are you quite a sort of frenetic <coughs> person in terms of how you go about? <clears throat> Not at all. No, no very, uh, very laid back and. Sort of, uh, yeah, in, on, on general, I think. Yeah. Other than when you need to, you know, kick someone's ass a bit and get them, get them moving or whatever, yeah. or get myself moving. <coughs> so what's the what's because we haven't had a chance to you know do an intro or talk you know tell tell the listeners what uh, well who you are and what mm-hmm. what you're about and you know what's the sort of I, I always find it difficult to when someone says what do you do I'm always like. Uh, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> uh, like food stuff. I mean, how was your sort of elevator CV? Um, I mean, chef first, and then uh, obviously have the well, sort of two and a half, two and a half restaurants at this point. Um, yeah, Oakleva was the first one opened in 2015. So the cooking there is very much about. Um, Inspired by my separate heritage, um, you know, grandmother's cooking, mum's cooking, and stuff. Um, and then, you know, from the beginning, what I always set out to do was to kind of bring um, unknown Turkish food to to London, right? And because London is so accepting of different foods and cultures and everything, and so um, and kind of put it in a more modern setting rather than, you know, that kind of. Uh, slightly cliche ottoman looking kind of place or you know yeah, what i right. mean like all the kebabs and the and the big the big piles of meat and stuff like that and going okay well let's let's do something a bit different and let's show people what we can do with these sorts of flavors and 
and stuff. And I think I think we've done that. You know, we've got a really loyal following, um, especially at Oklahoma, which is great. How long and, had that? How long had that been sort of in the works in your head? A um, couple of years. I mean, a couple of years to get Oklahoma, the the vision of that off off the ground, and then um, I think there was. Um, but you must have been thinking about it for yeah. forever, right? Yeah, I think. Was that always your, you know, as a, as a young cook or whatever, you have, oh, if I opened a place, I'm going to open this place? Was yeah, it, was I that think, always so I one? started off working with, well, and spent my career working for Peter Gordon, right? So I started off at the Providors, and then um, that was, like, early 20s. <clears throat> and then I think within within sort of a few weeks of stepping in the kitchen, I was like, oh, yeah, I won't have this my own restaurant. Yeah, right. I love this. Um, and how did you come to be there? I mean, in terms of when, when did you decide to be a cook? Yeah, uh, so I was about 19, uh, just finished this art foundation, kind of decided to leave the whole art and design route behind. It wasn't for me. And um, it's, I mean, I very much got into cooking at like literally from about 11, 12, just watching cooking programs. and. Um, what was your, at that age, who was the on TV? <laughs> well... I mean, I think a number of a number of chefs. Um, I mean, You're I always like say Gary this and Rhodes people always crack up laughing. I started off by watching Ready Steady Cook. Nice. Like, you knew. You know? yeah. <laughs> was he on that? Or was that Ainsley? Uh, it was Ainsley. Ainsley was, was presenter, yeah. Yeah. Did you, where did you grow up? Uh, North London, Southgate. Yeah, so with all the other Cypriots as right. well. <laughs> they all seem to flock there. Um, so I... I went and did a three-year chef's diploma at Westminster Kingsway College, and then through a competition that I did there, I met Peter, and he was, like, the head judge of that. Right. And um, I won this five-week trip to New Zealand and then um, started at various different restaurants, and one of them being his. And then he sort of said, what are you doing after you finish college? And I said, well, I need a job, and went and trialled at the Providors, and that was that, really. And... Um, so and, what, and, what, and what was that like? Because that, that was such an institution. I mean, it closed relatively recently, but it was always, you know, I remember my, I have no idea how old you are, but mm. um, probably roughly the same age. And like when I was starting off at, as a sort of shitty little intern at Sainsbury's magazine, yeah. and like the Providors was this sort of beacon of fusion food. And yeah. he, he sort of invented it over here, right? Completely. Yeah, completely. And I don't think I realised what sort of an institution I was going into. I kind of, um, I think I'd, I delayed going to college to become a chef because I was scared of getting into the industry. But then once I, you know, because of all the, everything that you hear about, all the bad stuff that you hear about it, like the long hours, and am I prepared to give up, you know, my social life and stuff like that and <clears throat> make these sacrifices and... And so I was quite worried about doing it. And then once I started the course, I was just like fell in love with it straight away. And I was like, okay, this is it. Um, and then going into the to the restaurant atmosphere, I realised all the wonderful things about being in a restaurant kitchen and, and all the stuff, stuff that you don't really hear that much of. Um, and I think Peter was just this guy who I met, like no other chef I'd ever met, who was just like so warm and gentle and so knowledgeable and like just a really good guy and you could just get that vibe off him like immediately you know and I just thought I want to work for him um and actually like you know that was rewarding 10 times over more than I ever thought it would be um because I learned so much from him um and the people you know who were running his kitchens and um 
and you... also just not 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 just about the food as well about like you know I don't know how to be good to people and how to have a happy kitchen that where everyone works for one another and stuff and so was there was there a real focus there on good good sort of yeah, vibes yeah good, good vibe very much good vibes it was you know the, no, no uh, shouting and screaming or anything like that and and you know it was more like I remember if I ever made a mistake I was just like you know I was so pissed off at myself and so but it was more like disappointing that like the head chef or um, or Peter or whatever um, rather than you know them shouting at you or mm. something like that so and do you remember the fir- your first shift or the first moment when sort of something clicked and just everything fell into place and that amazing buzz of do you have a specific memory of that or was it generally that was the the high I mean, that, that you was kept generally getting? the thing I, I started off on like the you know the larder section there and then quite quickly went on to the pastry section and did quite a stint there and then and then I was like itching to get onto one of the hot sections they had these two hot sections and um arguably the hot the harder one of the two even though on the mains kind of section, what they called was all the proper meat and fish cooking or whatever, but the other one was like called hot starters and it was like a grill and fryer and whatever. But obviously uh, the providors had two floors, so not only the downstairs kind of type of room, but also kind of like slightly more refined food upstairs. Mm. And, and it was, God, it was like a beast when it got going, you know, right. it was just like trying to keep up with it. And that was, once I got my head around that section, I think I remember feeling like, oh shit I'm actually like I'm a chef now <laughs> like I can do this and I can move with pace and you know and uh, put up good food so I think that was um that was a big part and by the time I left there you know I was very was very confident in like my cooking ability whereas I went in very very shy and timid and kind of like you know just mm. wanted to learn sort of thing and where did you go from there well, from there, I I only left because there was nowhere left for me to climb. So I wanted to kind of that's go a, into a, a nice senior position. position. Yeah, um, and so I had been offered um, a junior sous chef position for. Do you remember Sylvana Rowe? Yeah, yeah, Many, yeah. Baltic. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So she she opened up Quint. Yeah, um, right. At the Mayfair Hotel, and I'd met her through something else or whatever. And I she was quite of, a big deal for a while. She, I used to watch that Market Kitchen religiously and yeah. loved it, and she was always on that, and then sort of disappeared. Yeah, I think perhaps something went wrong with that restaurant, Quince. So yeah, so there was that, and then, um, but then that restaurant basically, I was supposed to be a part of the opening team, and it just kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. Right. And so, and then Peter said, Hey, I'm opening up Copapa in Seven Dials. Do you want to come and help me out there until it opens? And I was like, Yep, love to. Because I obviously needed to keep earning. And so I did that. And then within a couple of weeks, I was like, Oh, there's a vacant sous chef position here. <laughs> Maybe I should put myself forward. And, and it just worked out. And so, you know, that, that was continuing to be delayed. And so I um, sort of. They took me on as a sous chef there, and that was that was a cool, cool like quite a brave restaurant. I felt because very it, it brave, had, yeah. It was kind of sort of bright, light, antipodean, brunchy, but it then had lamb's brains on the menu. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah. it was the first time I ate brains was at Copapa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was pretty. There was a, a cool um, head chef there, Lee, who was also from New Zealand, and he was um, yeah. He he had a very eclectic style as well. So I think there was some really cool food going on and. Um, you know, in the end, unfortunately, it didn't work out. It was a, it was a tough, hmm. tough place to be. I think um, seven dollars is, but um, 
Yeah, I, it was a great opportunity for me because I went from sous chef to then head chef once Lee left. Um, and that was, you know, I very much had a plan, I think, of wanting to go through the motions and learn, okay, what, what does it take to be a sous? What does it take to be a head chef? And um, and at that point, I was very much um, thinking that I wanted to, to do my own thing. It was just a case of learning before I went, went out and did it. And then I left there to... Um, get into sort of doing pop-ups because that was when it was all sort of kicking off and right. I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity to kind of put my food out there and and it was around that time that I really thought, okay, well, here's where I'm going to put out, like, the Turkish food. It wasn't something that I think that was always there. I kind of just love food from all over the world, but I wanted to do something that would, of course, stand out and not, you know, and be as sort of as genuine as possible and I, and I think um, I just... Yeah, Sora, I was like, well, no one's doing that with Turkish food. No one's bringing kind of more, in a more modern way mm. um, to London. So uh, that was what I started off doing and it was received very well and went kind of went from there. Yeah. And then so, so the sort of, um, sort of creation of ok- Oklava. Oklava, yeah. Yeah. You, you've got a good knack of making restaurants that no one's... Well, certainly people with, you know... English is like <laughs> not hundred percent sure. Is it Oklahoma or Clava? Is it it's okay. Kayseri I mean, or Kayseri? My uh, my business partner calls it Oklava. She's from up north, so fair enough. <laughs> it's fine. So I, I even Oklava. have all our staff members are always asking as well. Did that? Did that sort of? Was, I mean, openings are a nightmare. Was that a nightmare? Your first place? Um, oh god, yeah. It was. A, I mean, yeah. The first open couple of nights was. Um, crazy um completely crazy like as openings are you know like we've got the big oven there that we make all the the flatbreads in and stuff and you know we didn't get um the green light to actually switch it on from like the gas safety thing certificate <laughs> until like the day that we were doing our you know first friends and family night and and so therefore I didn't get to practice a single thing in it and it was like check on <laughs> I was like right so this is what you do right. you know and now I mean what we produce now is like obviously a million miles away from what we did then so um, yeah it was definitely a you know big big learning curve did your um, family what did your family think about you opening and doing this you know the food I guess that you grew up with to an extent and you know obviously doing yeah. it in a slightly <clears throat> Like you said, you know, not the way that that food had been delivered, say, yeah. in London. Yeah. Before that, did they think, like, why are you cooking our, you know, the food you grew up, you know, when you've yeah. been obviously cooking slightly more yeah. away I mean, from I think what you grew up with beforehand? When I first, you know, told my parents and... Uh, well, my, my, I've got two older sisters that have always been very supportive and, and sort of they've always, you know, fought my corner... Big, big age gaps between us so they're very much like you know my older sisters and um and at first my parents were just not happy about the fact that I wanted to be a chef because you know as with I think a few different cultures they're kind of wanting you to the Turkish culture they want you to go into law or be a teacher or you know respectable right. job <laughs> and um and so it took some convincing and I just sort of said look I'm, I'm gonna do this support me or don't support me I'm gonna do it and then there came a point a couple of years into my course that um I think it was actually winning that New Zealand UK link competition that all of a sudden and and at that point my my father had passed away but my mum was like I think 
kind of took notice and was like, oh, actually, she can, seems like she can do quite well at this kind yeah. of thing, you know. And then from then on, they've been incredibly, you know, supportive. And um, I think they really, they really love it, you know, and, and they may have been a little bit skeptical at first and thought, well, is this, is this going to, you know, is this going to work? Um, but yeah, they're really supportive and they sort of love but even the obviously I mean cooking as a career yeah. as you say you know there wouldn't you be a, a lawyer or a teacher so that's one thing so you get past that mm. that step of yeah you know I can do well at this and I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a chef mm. but then to be cooking the food that you grew up with as opposed to oh you're cooking I don't know El Bui food or something yeah yeah is there any ever a sense of like why are you cooking that food you should be because obviously the stuff that you'd cooked prior to that yeah or are they like, no, that's just the best food. That's what you should be yeah, cooking. Yeah, well, they, I think I think they believe it's the best food yeah. as well, you know. And and actually, like you know that that which is very much a thing. It's so much more common now, um, and even around the time that I was starting to do it, more and more places were opening and having a focus around a charcoal or wood grill, right? But um, I think back then it sort of wasn't so much, and it was in like the kebab houses, and and I think as a family, and certainly me we all just love food you know that sunday barbecue or whatever and just the the flavor that you get from cooking anything over a grill and so um they love that anyway and so me telling them about it was like oh wow someone's gonna be doing it like yeah. you know that's and we don't have to like go to some place in green lanes like we can go yeah to my sister's restaurant or whatever sure. you know um so they i think they've always been um supportive of it yeah If if you're someone from a different background, mm. as in non-Turkish or non-Turkish <laughs> Cypriot, mm. and you say you're going to modernise or update or refine is the real, real, really terrible word. Yeah, really terrible. Uh, an- another yeah. culture's <laughs> yeah. cuisine, like yeah. you, you get it in the neck pretty quickly. Mm. And you know there was the Fanny kebab, Fanny's kebabs thing last year, and <laughs> yeah. all, all of that, um, and rightly so. But yeah even from within that culture was there was there an element at all of any pushback against you modernizing these these dishes um yes there has been and there still is a little bit and it actually mostly comes down to price point in the end as well which is really unfortunate um, i can get but, a lamajan for four pounds exactly <laughs> and um you know, it, there are less and less those comments though, which is quite nice. I think we're slowly kind of wearing away at them, I guess. Um, but you know, I'm like, well, if you don't, if you don't want to do it, you know, if you don't want to come here and enjoy it, then then don't. But um, I think, yeah, it is the price point, and I find that really disappointing because I'm just like, you know, actually, I'm not just. Cypriot I'm, I'm saying like my family is from North Cyprus which is not even recognized and you have someone in London going hey mm. this is my heritage I'm putting it out there this is like my grandmother's cooking and kind of like promoting that right so I'm like why can't you just be a bit more supportive around it um mm. so yes there's a bit of that on the price point and then I think there's sometimes you know some people eat some plates of the food or or even at Kayseri, for for example, the manta that I do there, you know, I do mm. like, yeah, they're about ten times the size of the tradi- traditional mm. ones. They're tiny, those ones, and people will be like, 
They never say it's not delicious, which is good. They're always like, it's delicious, but it's not manta. And I'm like, well, <laughs> fine. <laughs> as long as it's delicious, you can call it whatever you want. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's a bit of that. Yeah, but I suppose there is a bit more wiggle room when you are Cypriot yourself, whereas... Yeah. We, I mean, do you remember Dan doing manta um, pigeon? And he did do them small, um, yeah. immaculately, but yeah. regretted within about 20 minutes of, you know, however many... I suppose you only do 250 covers a week or whatever because it's a tiny restaurant, but... But still, you know, he was like, oh. Fuck of a lot of, yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's but, only one portion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're absolutely delicious, but like, why are they so small? <laughs> what's And what's the history of... Because of it, it, it's like a... seems like a lovely geographical crossover of the Italian stuffed pasta and a sort of more Asian... <clears throat> yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean... It's, I don't, I don't know actually where it's exactly come from. I, I think it's more of the, from the Asian side of things, right? Um, from like the Ottoman Empire, um, because like Georgia, for example, like have their version. I think a few different countries around there kind of have versions of manta or mantu or whatever. I'm glad it's a manta, not manti. Yeah. So I've been manta, pronouncing it wrong all the yeah, time. That's right. <laughs> Everything is it's, it's, it's a minefield. I know, it's or is tricky. that a munfield? Well, believe me, trying to think of even restaurant names that like have some kind of connection, but yet that's that's the best I could do with what so people what's, can uh, actually say. Yeah, <laughs> do you know so, what I mean. <laughs> so, where did the name what, Oklava and Kaiseri? What's the so Oklava means rolling pin, right? right? And and it's a kind of reference to the to the you know the oven and and the, and the flatbreads and stuff. Um, and and was about I mean I spent about a year trying to think up that name because I was like time, there yeah. is no Turkish word out there that I feel like people can say and then all of a sudden I just it just came to me um, and then Kayseri is you know a nod to that region where the manta comes from and also uh, Kayseri pastırma which is cured uh, beef which has got Chemin on the outside of it, which is like a garlic, fenugreek, paprika, spicy rub thing, mm, okay. um, which we make in house as well. So, the two things that um, I love eating, and so I wanted to, uh, yeah, kind of have a nod to the region, but um, spell it kind of differently, and so people would be able to say it, but it still hasn't worked. <laughs> <laughs> and how did you find going from one site to two, and now two to two and a half, mm. as you put it? Um, tricky for sure um, you know I, I very much wanted to be ready and you, I guess you can never be you can never be ready for it and it's sort of uh, I was very fortunate opening Arklava I had um, a real strong core team around me and people who I'd worked with previously and they stayed with me for a long time and um, but then, unfortunately, you know they've they've flown the nest as well at some point, and so you know when that when that happened, um, that's been a big adjustment. And I think we're actually only just about now getting out the other side of it. Um, we've had, you know, as I think most people are, but major staffing issues and just sort of trying to find people. Um, We've had a lot of senior changeover and it's just been really unfortunate. It's not 
I like, I like to think it's not because I'm horrible or anything. I think it's just like, you know, it's someone had to go back home yeah. or whatever happened, you know. And um, There's always something. Yeah, there's always something. And, and so it's really tough because you're just constantly then trying to, like, build a team and then... Um, and that's really... It's really hard for one restaurant, let alone for, for two. Um, and I am, you know, I'm, I think my biggest... My biggest fear is people coming to to the restaurant and being like, oh, that's not what it once was kind of thing. But that's what, and that is what's so difficult that I think sometimes people on the, people not in the industry or whatever don't realise mm. of that fear of just, you know, you want to be thinking every day that you're improving yeah. and this is getting better. But there's also just the base behind that of just, we need to be as good as we were last time they came. Yeah. And even maintaining that feels like running up a hill sometimes. Absolutely. And I guess especially like you said, waiting for waiting till you felt you're ready to open the next place, but then people leaving. Because yeah. you know, they don't you don't have the spot for them, you know, as happened with you or whatever when there wasn't that step to yeah. step into and yeah. wanting to keep your good people and find yeah. somewhere new to put them and it's yeah. so so difficult. Yeah. Yeah, really is. And so I think, you know, when it when Kaisri was opening, we kind of, we weren't ready, but we'd been looking already for a year for this site and found it. And then I was like, okay, the wheels were turning and we just had to go for it, you know. And, and, and then I found myself, you know, for like six months, just kind of almost like a full-time CDP, probably right. in that kitchen, just like grinding it out, you know, because there was just no one else to, to do it. And I just had a... I was in the end like taking help from wherever I could so I'd put out on Instagram and be like look if you're enthusiastic mm. at, you know cooking and, and you're willing to listen to some instructions I would I would have people who were just keen cooks or who once were chefs and who just wanted to kind of maybe get yeah. back into it and like every service was like okay you do this like this do this like this <laughs> and then for dinner I'd be like new person <laughs> you know and so it was a it was a tough time um yeah, I feel I feel the sort of the in the abstract most people understand these issues, but in the moment they they don't that you don't really get the benefit of the doubt when the dining experience isn't quite right and they yeah. don't go ah oh, but they're probably having difficulty with staffing that person's probably new and that's why we got some bad service and maybe the you know it's like yeah, exactly. in the moment when they're spending their money which is understandable you, you, there's no benefit of the doubt. Um, which is can be very frustrating um, because it, it is such an uphill struggle at the moment. I'm sure it always yeah. has been to a, to a you know greater or lesser extent, but particularly now, I think definitely at the moment, staffing is. I bumped into a chef on the street yesterday, mm -hmm. and I said, "Oh, how's it going?" And he said, "I've never worked so much in my entire life because just to keep two places going." And he said, oh, "I'm in the kitchen. I'm working." more hours than I have done in years and years and years because I have had to put myself in there as a cook yeah. because A, there aren't the cooks and B, the numbers are so tricky for for a lot of people, I guess, at the moment that um, you're back where I guess you think you get to, you know, two sites, two and a half sites, three sites, maybe you're, oh, well, you know, now I'm more overseeing or whatever and, you know, he's like, I'm in the kitchen. I'm cooking more than I've cooked for yeah. five, six years because yeah. before that it was all working out, but it's tough. Yeah, no, it really is. It really is. Um, 
we'll get a few plugs in. So tell us about the book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Art Club of Cookbook. Um, it's been out a couple of years now. Did you enjoy doing that? I did, I did, but I was, I was, um, I must have had way more energy back then because uh, I very fortunately got the the book deal quite soon after um, opening Oklover, and as in we opened Oklover in November, signed the book deal end of January the following year. God, we pitched one for Pigeon like six months in. And they that said is it's a, a bit stitch. soon. That I got I got really stitch. lucky. Um, octopus. Was it Mitchell? O- B- octopus. Yeah, yeah, Mitchell yeah, Beasley, yeah, yeah. So Stephanie Jackson, uh, lovely. Big fan of Stephanie. Lovely. Yeah, she's, she's brilliant, and she was uh, she was fair to say, hounding me a little bit, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I just need to open the restaurant with us, and she's like, yeah, 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 um, and then I was like, oh, if I don't go for this, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss out on it. So um, went for it, and at that point, I was very much you know. Uh, attempting to be at Art Lover for every single surface, so I'd I'd be on the bar, writing the book in the morning, and then going God. into the kitchen. And I had a very, um, I, think I turned it around in about twelve, no, about three months. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, to write the book. Crikey. Yeah, and I didn't know any better, so I didn't push back on that. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, this is what we do. Great. <laughs> um, I love that. Sorry to start change the subject, yeah. but just you mentioned sitting at the bar, so I was sort of picturing you. I, I love the design at Clever that you the bar sort of becomes the kitchen. It's all yeah. it's all one. Yeah, How, yeah. Was I always, that was just that was that just necessity? Because um, of the no, space. No, very much. I wanted it to be that open kitchen vibe. Um, I um, would love. And, and still do although I haven't been a long time love going to like Barafina you know and you and sit and just yeah obviously as a chef have a fascination with watching chefs but I think people generally really love that as well um and just uh yeah love seeing what's going on and I was like definitely just want to do that you know and so it, we probably spent six months longer looking for a site because I was insistent that it was all across one floor um and so we could accommodate this bar area and do you, when you're training your chefs and your mm. team, do you? Have, this is this never occurred to me before. This question, mm. uh, <laughs> but um, do you talk about? I mean, obviously, you talk about how you manage yourself to any member of staff, but particularly like your open kitchen. You know how you hold yourself is very important. It's not even mm. like your knife skills or your personal hygiene. It's like, you know you're putting on a performance and do do you think about that a lot uh yeah very much so um i think especially at the beginning and i think what's great now is that whether those you know senior people who were with me for a long time they're not they're not there anymore but they're they're wonderful people and i think they've um it's gone from me to them Mm. to then the next the next lot that are in there do you know what i mean and so um i'm i'm kind of obviously less in the kitchen so less having to be the one that points out that stuff but always you know on the on the cleanliness and stuff like that is is a is a huge thing um because you are putting on a performance and mm. and people are genuinely watching you and I, and I even though I'm so used to it even I will get a bit you know like the other night Saturday night I did service there and someone you know, I guess if their conversation dries up, they'll just sit there and they watch you, and you can you can sense it. They're literally yeah. right there, you know. Um, and do you do you get the odd sort of RC, probably male, like <laughs> sort of 
oh you, what are you doing like that or oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. sometimes there's running commentary yeah you know yeah normally I'd do that normally just to him saying to game, her yeah. oh now she's putting on the parsley ah, or something like that and you're yeah. like i can hear ah, you <laughs> she's really really going for the myard reaction that's the <laughs> harold mcgee 15 second rule <laughs> yeah that's uh, a bit of that <laughs> but it's just, you know i just I, I i like to be that not the person being the dick commentator <laughs> but like just the, the 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 physicality of of the cook and watching and i do i do think you can get a sense of how good a chef or cook someone's going to be by just watching how they move around the kitchen and i'm going to quote one disgraced cook talking about another disgraced cook but um Mario Batali when he talks about how he watched Marco Pierre White move around the kitchen yeah. or maybe it's Bill Buford talking about it anyway uh, in Heat it's like it's just the most it was so physical like everything was just it was like watching this um, and you know you have chef trials and you watch some of them and you're like oh right you, I don't even see, see you do anything because I know that you know what you're doing just the way you move around the kitchen yeah. and some you're like some just I literally stand you there a like a service. statue and yeah. you're like and we talk you about the really ballet like all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just Completely. like, you see how you sort of move around each other. Yeah. Right, no one wants to come and see like a clunky performance, do no. they? So, yeah. <laughs> um, how was your time on Great British Menu? Uh, amazing. Yeah, really, really amazing. I mean, um, terrifying. Definitely the most stressful thing I've done. More stressful really? than opening up a restaurant, for sure. Because <clears throat> I've grown up watching it literally from day dot, um, never thought I would have the opportunity to go on there. So, you know, when that phone call came through, mm. I was like, oh, my God. Um, and and I know, well, I knew that if I got it right, that, you know, it, this, this is going to transform yeah. my, my career, my restaurant kind of thing. And so um, the pressure I think I put on myself was was completely immense. And even though the people around me, we're just like, you know, don't worry, just do your best and blah, blah, blah. And I just be like, mm-hmm. And inside I was like, I have to do this. Um, and, yeah, and obviously, you know, with the camera in your face and people asking you questions yeah. all the time as you're trying to cook and you you are genuinely under a time restraint and uh, and cooking for these, you know, massive chefs. For me it was Angela Hartnett on the first one and then and then Tom Akins and it was, you know, like... Never thought he'd even be in the same room as that sort of person. Mm. So, um, yeah, huge. Um, but so, so, so rewarding. I think, um, you know, very honestly, Arklava was was doing well and it opened up. And I think the first six months of it was, was amazing. Um, but then, as most restaurants do, you become old news quite mm. quickly. You yeah. know, then there's the next thing that people are moving on to. And so we found ourselves sort of struggling to keep up a little bit. Um, and was sort of hanging on a little bit until until Great British Menu came out, and then it's it's transformed the restaurant, and we've had people come from all over and <clears throat> and still do, and, and that still happens. Yeah, still happens, and and um, you know we we do very well for lunch and dinner now, which is really nice. Yeah, especially yeah, lunch around there is yeah. tricky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it really is, and it, I think it still surprises us. You know, we just when Wednesdays today was our managers meetings that is and we're just always like yeah did like 31 for lunch yesterday on, on a tuesday and you're like wow you know it's great you know talking about how people move on very quickly and it feels like the whole food court movement slightly caters to 
that instinct of like, oh, what's new? What can we do now? Mm. And you've um, opened a case. It is a Kaiseri outpost, right? Or is it a different name? No, it's an oh, sorry, it's an Oklava. It's an Oklava. Sorry, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, that's no, okay. Uh, outpost <laughs> at yeah. um, what's it called? Tottenham Arcade. Court? Arcade. Arcade. At- yeah. Food theatre. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That is a performance. There you go. Yeah. Food theatre. Circular. Um, how, uh, you know, that, is that a weird thing? Um, <laughs> it's, um, look, I think it's, it's an opportunity that came up for us. Um, and we, we set out uh, as, a, as, a, as a company and as two business partners, myself and Laura, to, to open... Um, Three restaurants in five years uh, was the plan, and and we have a lovely set of investors who have backed us in that. Um, and <clears throat> obviously, we opened Kaiseri, and that's you know it's ticking along, but um, it's been very challenging. And then um, and then this opportunity for Arcade came up, and um, something as I think all. Oh, probably restaurant owners do kind of discuss various ideas that might want to do next or what city you might want to be in and have these big dreams. Um, And I think one of the things that we discussed was like a a food court type thing. Like even, I mean, I probably will never do this, but I'd love to like open one up and just get like loads of great people involved in it. And, um, you know, almost because I love that whole I love that vibe. I love walking into somewhere with with really great food, where you could potentially like, even um, I don't know if there is anywhere like that in London. Shoreditch. Well, I'm gonna say like a like a food hall that you could walk into and you could like pick your meat and say, <laughs> "Oh, that's a cool I idea." Cook like that. So, I want the hawks or steak, and then I want the yeah. quality chop house potatoes. But I want to see it. Yeah, exactly. And then I want the of flatbread. A bit like it? quality. Cho- I was there the other night, actually. How amazing is that place? But I was there. I was there the other night, and I was like, "This is great." Like this, like you know, I ordered the partridge, and they were like, "Oh, we might not have it. We'll go and check next door." And the butchers, great, and they came back with it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, about, yeah, I think. Um, it was one of the things that we thought, you know, we, we might want to do someday or, or be a part of. And, and the opportunity came up. And so, you know, we've gone for it. And uh, again, it's been challenging um, finding the staff and, and all of that. And I think um, and also just, you know, with, with the food that we do, keeping up with it, because we are cooking um, everything on site and it's quite a small uh, kitchen. Um, and so we wanted to do you know, certain aspects of, of Arklava. And so we've got the Pida there, which is which is great. It's become a little bit of a Instagram sensation, which is always oh, the nice. Black, the, black, the Black Sea Black Sea Flatbread, yeah. Black Sea Pida, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we've got a few other dishes that we, you know, we do at Arklava. Um, and one of the things that I, I really love, like a really good doner, and that was an opportunity to, to do it there, um, which we do, which I really enjoyed the challenging challenge of... Um, you know, finding the the right recipe, well, for me anyway, and, and kind of creating that. Um, so, yeah. I think the interesting, uh, we were talking about it just before the pod, actually, so we were talking about the Seven Dials place mm, that mm-hmm. we, have you been? No? No. No, we haven't been, but mm. the guys we share the office with have been, and, and I've been to the arcade twice, and it's, to me, it sort of seems like there's so much good sort of inherent in it like Mm -hmm. we've got these people we've got this bar we've got the space Mm -hmm. and all that seems oh this is a no-brainer 
and then it just seems and I'm by no means asking you to slag off your landlords or whatever but it feels like there needs to be more of a conversation with the people actually selling the food in there of how the space should operate and how people know what to do yeah and I think that's the you know it's the problem that we had when we opened Magpie mm-hmm. is and and closed Magpie because people didn't get it people didn't understand what to do and the minute somebody feels uncomfortable they're not spending their money they, they leg it yeah. oh I feel uncomfortable I'm legging it yeah. you know I'm gonna go to Pizza Express yeah. or whatever yeah. but um I mean, think in those spaces yeah. because that doesn't exist hasn't existed here before yeah. people need their hands held a little bit completely uh, one more question mm. um, before we move on to yeah. quiz um, oh my god there's a quiz I suddenly I'm like oh maybe this is like super gendered because I'm asking you this because you're a woman but yeah. uh, it's also relevant because it, just in the last week but both Heston and the aforementioned Marco Pierre White have mm. said fairly ludicrous things about um women in kitchens and obviously you are one and there are and i'm sure you've worked with plenty of others and you know what's your sort of gut reaction to that or non-gut reaction to that it's just all bollocks really (laughs) attention seeking bollocks massively um yeah it's exactly that it's just attention seeking and i don't even know whether they really believe it themselves or that's the thing though isn't it yeah i I find that i find it really bizarre i mean maybe marco because he's just he's a bit out there isn't he and he he seems to get stranger as the years go by but heston i'm like where's that where's that even come from why are you even saying it and you know it's going to get a reaction it's like he's not even got anything to promote is he no but it's just that weird thing (laughs) it's like the um the Granddad in Father Ted. You ever watched Father Ted? Yeah, well, not the, yeah, but I know what you're Father. Doing. I forget his name, yeah. but but the old guy who just yeah. who only says feck. Right. And you're like, oh, well, okay. Well, when you get to be sort of slightly irrelevant or whatever, <laughs> just just say feck. You yeah. can just say feck and say nothing else. But they're still like, oh no, I need to talk about the world of food that I have nothing to do with really anymore. You know, yeah. like a Marco who, yeah, sad as that is, but what, yeah. you know, at this stage, what does Marco mean? Oh, I mean, um, well, well, the I unfortunate like, thing is, there's probably still quite a lot to a, yeah. a lot of young chefs who, yeah. you know, like, oh, white heat, the book, and yeah, blah, blah, yeah. and all of that. And I get all of that, but also, it's so, and it is so incredibly frustrating because, you know, unfortunately, it is still a massive uphill battle being a female chef, and it just shouldn't be, you know, and it's not. I'm not like, you know, on the barracks, like campaigning it all or whatever, but it's just, I'm just going to go on doing my thing and um, trying to make a successful business ultimately. Um, But if I can get, if I can encourage other female chefs to come into the industry, then great, you know, or just chefs in general, in fact, not even female chefs, (laughs) any chefs out there, you know. um, I'm sort of hoping in a reverse psychology way, all that nonsense makes you know, young women go, fuck it, well, I'm going to fucking be a chef. Yeah. <laughs> Screw you. Well, that would be great, yeah. If but it sucks is. as well, like, why does it have to be, like, two, you know, people who were amazing at some stage, you know, the stuff that Marco did is unbelievable, the stuff yeah. that Heston did is unbelievable. Yeah. And it's like, why do you have to... It's like a hero in a film or something. Yeah. And right at the end, you're like, oh, my God, like, Tom Cruise in Top Gun and he beat the Russians. It's amazing. And then he tells, like, a sort of really racist joke. Or yeah, right. Like, right. Uh, or, like, at the end of a Star is like a bomb. Is it that's what it's called? Yeah, I When he pees himself. And you're like, oh. I've not seen the film, so I don't know what <laughs> I just know that he pees himself. Oh, we, we were going to get into doing film reviews, weren't we? I was going to do Star is Born because oh. I watched it the other day for some unknown reason. 
Have you seen it? No, I it's not good. But Lady Gaga, unbelievable. <laughs> she's very, very good in it. Oh yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, she's got some chops. She's got the acting variety. Yeah, she's mm. got some serious. Probably game. couldn't be a chef because she wouldn't be able to pick up the pans, but <laughs> yeah. she can act and sing. I reckon she's got some good muscle yeah. in her. <laughs> yeah. So, so then we've got two quizzes. Mm. Sam always does this, but I've jumped in. There you go. Uh, <laughs> there's a quick fire round, so it's just the first answer that come, comes into your head. You're allowed to then expand on the answer, but it's got to be gut response. Right. And then overrated, underrated, or correctly rated of whatever Sam has come up with. Okay. Again, right. gut response, but then you can... So I'm assuming you've been revising, you've been tested by your <laughs> friends and family. I mean, I had no idea this was coming <laughs> Uh, okay, we'll do the quick fire first. Mm-hmm. Okay, what is the best train journey you've ever been on? Um, Lovely question. <laughs> London to Edinburgh. Oh, really? Did you do the sleeper? No, I didn't. Uh, uh, it was on uh, Virgin Virgin thing. Right. Uh, I think banged a first class ticket. It was quite nice. Nice. Yeah. Eat anything, drink anything, or just yeah, just whatever was on board. Um, <laughs> And it was it was just very nice. It was it was faster than I thought it was, and it's more comfortable than I thought it was nice. going to be. Nice and yeah. some nice scenery on the way up to very Edinburgh. nice scenery. Yeah. Delightful. Yeah, quite deluxe that. James, what's yeah. your favourite train journey you've ever done? Uh, the first one that came into my head was uh, Euston to Glasgow for my friend Will Stag. I'd made a five litre jug of Bloody Mary. It was an eight am train. <laughs> And I dropped it on the platform and it <laughs> smashed everywhere. Um, but it was still an enjoyable train journey. Oh, so, lovely yeah. tale. What about you, Sam? But I, I know the answer. What's the what's my answer? Your train from New York up to Montreal. Yes. Oh, yeah. that's going to be hard to beat. That's cool. T- Ten-hour train in the winter, yeah. which I recommend. I mean, it's a great way to travel anyway, but. If you do it in winter, there's no leaves on the trees, yeah. which means you can see out across all the lakes. You go up through the Hudson Valley and then um, oh, wow. Lake Champagne, I think it is, something. Chom- that's probably not right. but So you can actually see out across these lakes and they're completely frozen. It's absolutely beautiful. It's amazing. And then at the end, you get to get off in Montreal and go to Joe Beef. Amazing. Which is good. Um, what did you eat in school? Um, I had... Well, were you a packed lunch of, or school dinners? Bit of both. Packed lunch, yeah. school dinners. I think I went back to packed lunch. Bit of everything, really. Packed lunch was interesting, though, because yeah. obviously, you know, Cypriot mum, so not what, traditional. What's in the lunchbox? Yeah, you have, like, little fried kofta or burek with, like, spinach and feta in oh, there. I love those. Nice. Or, um, oh, God, what else did we have? Maybe a bit of hummus in there. It's very exotic for back then. Yeah. Did you? Because Dave, Dave Chang always talks about getting, mm. uh, his mum said, "Oh, she, she sent me to school with kimchi in my right, lunchbox, yeah. and everyone was mean <laughs> to me or whatever." Did you get any shtick over people like um, that? Looks lush. I'd rather have that than. I don't think I don't think I got any sandwiches. that looks lush, but I don't think I. Yeah, I think I think there was definitely a few um, stairs, but was nothing nothing that hard. Nothing too bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's the coolest shoes you've ever owned? Um, I used to have these knee-high um, boots right. that had this like these like gold buckles at the back. Nice. Um, I cannot wear them anymore. This was pre-chefing. I think once I went into chefing, it was 
the feet couldn't handle it anymore yeah. and now they're definitely just can't. crocs all the way <laughs> yeah and very similar no. to your favorite <clears throat> coolest shoes you've ever owned isn't it well the knee-high <laughs> knee-high bit yeah. the stiletto heel was yours wasn't it yeah yeah that's all it was <laughs> <laughs> what's the coolest shoes you ever had I had some cool laceless, not like not like slip. They weren't like slip on like loafers. They were, they looked like, uh, you know, shoes right. that I would wear now, like you know, edgy indie shoes. Right. But where the laces should have been, there was just um, elastic. Yeah. <laughs> elastic. <laughs> nice. nice. <laughs> Love that. I got teased to them, but I thought I was cool. I was cool. Like a plimsoll. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, they like, sound like a plimsoll, <laughs> like a mid noughties indie plimsoll. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Sam? I Probably your little no, shoes at the moment. No, You're very proud of those. No, I'm not at all. They're just eco. Warm. They're eco. warm. They're very eco. Yeah, an eco, yeah. No, not these ones. These are the Vans. I had a pair of my dad brought back a pair of Reebok pumps when they first mm. came out from America, and they had the basketball in the tongue, the orange basketball, yeah, yeah. and so you could pump them up. And a kid in school stuck a compass in and <gasps> punched him. Bastard, yeah. Chris, 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 something. Chris, he was a real piece of work. Yeah. He stole my Ghostbusters figure as well. Oh my god! But I'm over it. <laughs> uh, you have to do shots. What are you shooting? You a fan of a shot? Oh, God, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, no, the... I've never been a fan no, of a shot. No, nobody's ever no, a fan, right. but Who's back in the day they used shot? to do them. Oh, God, I don't even know what I would do now. I mean, back in the day there was um, Zambuca rarely, because that, that taste... Flaming oh, Zambuca, get, ooh, wake up in the yeah. morning with a burnt top lip. No, no, I didn't really go for those. <laughs> Me neither. Tequila, definitely, maybe like, there was a good three or four occasions with the worst hangovers on the tequila. And in the end, I've called time on that for yeah. many a year now I don't I refuse to drink it um, get the bottle out <laughs> <laughs> there was Mike this one me. there was this one who used to have that had gold bits in it I can't oh, remember yeah. oh Goldschlager yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the end that was the Classic. one that I would go for it wasn't like, like Sambuca with gold in it yeah no. but the, the thing that I was always told about Goldschlager this is amazing <laughs> the thing I was always told about Goldschlager was the reason it gets you so drunk is the tiny yeah, flex of gold cuts your throat so so inside your throat is open directly to your bloodstream so the alcohol just goes straight into your blood and that's why you get as drunk as you do but it's like microscopic cuts yeah that's definitely not that well, sounds disgusting that really does I was like definitely sign me up let's do some Goldschlager did you ever have a, a flatliner what's a flatliner I'm going to get the details wrong but basically it was like a like a very viscous thing like say Sambuca at the bottom of the shot and then a load of Tabasco in the middle and then you'd add vodka so the Tabasco would sit in a like a line oh uh, yeah but it was so much Tabasco that it, you'd you'd basically feel like you were flatlining I had it once oh, and never again uh, have you ever been to garlic and shots yeah. does that still exist oh, yeah it does, does. Exist? yeah I remember um, going there with a chef friend I, I mean, I would have, I would have never have gone in there, but he's quite, he's quite, he's quite out there. And uh, went to, we went and had this massive meal at Barafina, obviously already wasted at this point. And then he's like, "Yeah, let's go to Garlic and Shots." Oh my god, it was awful. And then, well, then we carried on drinking, carried on drinking. I mean, that is definitely one of the worst hangovers ever. And I was at work for eight o'clock the next day. Oh, because Garlic and Shots, then you're probably in the crowbar. 
Probably there. <laughs> probably there with Andrew Clark. Probably Andrew Clark took you to go. We didn't know shots. it was Andrew Clark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it Andrew Clark? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and the final part of the quickfire before we move on to the overrated, underrated. Mm. Uh, you have to expand your business to the US. Are you opening in New York first or Los Angeles first? Sam, those aren't the only two cities in the States. I'm well aware of that. <laughs> They're the only two he selected. Um, New York. I just the question came up because I was talking to somebody today about St John is opening in LA, which yes. seems like the most bizarre thing in the world, but yes. also kind of cool and amazing. Yeah. So I thought that'd be an interesting for a restaurateur. Like, where mm. would you open if you had to pick? Of course, you could open in Ohio. Boise, Idaho. Idaho. I think I think New York. Although I have had more than one person say it about LA so but New York was my gut so let's yeah. just go with that also LA is a long way yeah it's a long you way. know New York's a little jump Top, over yeah, yeah. I've, and I've only been to New York in the States I haven't been to LA oh. so alright uh, overrated underrated or correctly rated mm-hmm. fairgrounds overrated yeah I hate fairground rides. Really? I hate them. Refuse what about the vibe? You can walk around, get some candy floss, hook a duck. Yeah. Hook bump a car. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that part's fun. I quite yeah. enjoyed that. What but about the, the, the Simply Red song, Fairground? <laughs> That's a great song. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any Simply Red on the playlists in any of your restaurants? <laughs> <laughs> no, not as far as I'm aware. That's the yeah. death knell. <laughs> <laughs> um, overrated, underrated, correctly rated, Pate. Correctly rated. Yeah, how do you feel people think about pate? I think um, I think people are really into it, or they're just really not. Either way, they're right. Either way, they're right. You know, you know. Are you a fan of a pate? I like a pate. Yeah. yeah is there? Pate. And excuse my ignorance. Is there any um, sort of Cypriot Turkish analog? Analog is that the word to pate? Do they have those kind of things? Equivalent. 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 Yeah. Um, is there? There's nothing that is springing to mind. It's a great example of the foreign word being preferable to the, well, you know, to the translation. You know, people are like, oh, you know, pretentious using a foreign word. But if you call it chicken liver paste, no one's buying that, are they? Yeah, that is true. They're yeah. like, I don't want paste. No, no one wants paste. That's wallpaper. Yeah. Paste, yeah. I think this is probably a bit more on the Tartar side of things, but there's um, chikafta, which is, so traditionally, we made with... Uh, before lamb mince and then bulgur wheat and loads of spices in there. Right. And then you get these big, burly men kneading away at it for hours. Is that because the women are too weak and they're yeah, far too weak? Yeah, <laughs> <They're off having laughs> too well. weak to be doing yeah. that. Uh, but they don't really. Uh, I believe that they don't really allow the the meat part of that anymore. So you can still buy chikafta as like a street snack, <clears throat> but they don't allow the mince. But anyway, and you have it with loads of lemon, put it in like a little lettuce cup, rather delicious. But oh, kind of good. yeah, it's a bit more. You do that with mince or dice up, dice up the meat. Okay, that sounds good. It's about as near as it gets. Um, overrated or underrated, correctly rated, competitive eating contests. Nice. Uh, <laughs> that's generous, <laughs> I'd say. That's a great question. <laughs> you know, the people, you know, they put down yeah. a bunch of hot dogs and whatnot. Um, I mean, correctly rated, yeah. I'm going to say, because 
it's fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. Just watching someone stuff their face as fast yeah. as they can or and as like, many as they can. And a level of danger brought to something like a hot dog, which you yeah. just think, you just eat a hot dog. Yeah. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I can't imagine ever doing that, though, anything like that. Because, you know, when you have, like, you just go out and you eat so much and yeah. then you're, like, in pain because of it. And you're like, oh, my yeah. God, I never want to eat again. What have and I there's done? No, and there's no speed involved in it either. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> I'm just having a big meal and I'm just eating for, like, a couple of hours. Yeah. This is, I'm going to put down 50 hot dogs in 12 yeah. minutes. Well. Yeah. Have you ever done one? A competitive eating contest? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just carrying a little extra holiday right at the moment. Hey, but hey, 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 hey. Is it Joey uh, Chestnut? Is he? Is, I think he's called Joey Chestnut. One of the big, big, big dogs. I feel I wrote about that for the Guardian once upon a time. But the, the, I mean, the technique that they get they're like seals, aren't they? They just can like swallow a whole sausage in one go. The hot dogs, oh and then they like wet up. The thing is, you have to wet up the bun with water. Oh, there's a technique. They're allowed water, yeah. So you you swallow the sausage whole, and then mouthful of bread, <laughs> water. You basically so you've got bread soup and full sausages. <laughs> In your stomach, yeah. And I'm just like, imagine seeing an X-ray of your stomach after that. That'd be absolutely amazing. There must be. Look at that. Do you remember the scene at the end of Beethoven when the dad, (laughs) the dad has to do a competitive? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dog owner competitive eating competition. Do you have to eat? You don't have to eat (laughs) the dog. Sorry. Really, the owner has to put his dog down. Yeah, if you're the owner of Beethoven, you're not entering that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, sorry. Yeah. Well, lovely stuff. Okay. Um, should we move on? Yeah. Uh, overrated, underrated, correctly rated, uh, Donna Kebabs. Um, absolutely correctly rated. And rated highly. Rated highly, well. Would you not go underrated? Because I think that. Sorry, just to put words in your mouth. But... Oh, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> You are absolutely right. People underrated, like, oh, underrated. I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of bad ones out there. For sure. Um, obviously, mine is the best one that you can of find. Course. Yeah. Naturally, but um, I think there's some there's some really amazing ones out there. You know, and when um, when did I go to Istanbul? Back in April, May, uh, May, and. Um, I was after, I was really disappointed because I didn't get to go to, obviously I had a long list of places to go to and there was one place that I really wanted to go to for probably my third uh, Donna Kebab. <laughs> um, but I couldn't make it that far out of town. But there's some really, really amazing ones from the, from the obviously the traditional kind of, what do they call it, an elephant foot? Elephant leg. Yeah, yeah elephant leg. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the mincemeat ones, you know, they're they I had a really incredible one in the Grand Bazaar in Istanbul, and also the one that I do at um, Arcade at the moment is called Yaprak Dana, which means Yaprak means leaf, so it's the meat is sliced really thin it's and delicious. then layered up. I, I had one a couple of weeks ago. And oh, it was thank delicious. you, thank you very much. Um, layered up with lots of fat in between which is obviously fat is flavour um, but it's, there's such it's skill that goes into that as well you know which I think just is really um, taken for granted yeah. and people like slicing that meat you know? at the risk of kebabs blaming didn't, <laughs> didn't, like back in the day in sort of southwest, southeast Turkey yeah. they'd put uh, the, the fat from a sheep's tail on top of the donner and that would just melt over oh, there. Really? Yeah, well, they they use um, the fat from sheep's tail a lot, and uh, it, it, it's bothered, and it still does bother me that in the end I, I worked out that the 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 sheep in this country or around in more European sheep don't have that fat 
right. on them. So I'd be like calling all the different yeah. suppliers and trying to be like, I need some, I need yeah. some sheep fat. I need some tail. Yeah. <laughs> I need some tail. Need little tail. And they're all like, what? <laughs> so um, anyway, we make do with other with other lamb fat. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's used a lot in all the kebabs and all the kef there, which are like cut by hand, you know, with those right. giant knives. And they and they cut them by hand with there's a fat in there and then they put them onto their skewers. It's incredible. Such skill that goes into yeah. it. It's really, it's really difficult, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. I need to put down a donna in the near future. <laughs> uh, and the final overrated, underrated, correctly rated, the world of sci-fi. <laughs> Absolutely <laughs> really over, over, I know, I was, I was overrated. Like, um, my girlfriend's really into it, and I can't bear it. <laughs> it's I just, well, like proper just, nerdy into it. Yeah. Right. Sci-fi or, yeah. or fantasy? Or are you just saying sci-fi stuff? In, well, I, this I was going with like <laughs> space. I was leaving out the Lord of the Rings and the trees and whatnot, but more of the planets and the spaceships. Oh, you're talking about more like real stuff. No, 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 but oh. just like planetary as opposed to... Right. Extraterrestrial Extra- fiction. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just think it's really overrated. I don't get it. I'm, I'm very much a... But I'm a bit like that. I think I'm a bit maybe conservative with that stuff. I like I like to watch things that are real. Okay. I don't want like, to see... And she's I'm, like, yeah, we're going to tuck in some serious Battlestar Galactica well, we just, right now. we just don't. You're like, we're just, <laughs> was that the Toronto film? <laughs> no, that was... What's that? Battleship Earth? Was it called that? Yeah, it was the like Scientology... That. Yeah sort of thing yeah. uh, anyway moving on uh, well done you did fantastically oh, well on the quiz you won thank you you won you're the big that's winner lovely uh, Selen thank you well you again I'm keep no, stepping in your that's lines. fine that's fine you're on a roll tonight so you take, you um, take. this was really fun thanks for uh, yeah. joining us for nonsense and um, nice to sort of because we met a few times but I've never actually had a conversation yeah, no. with you so yeah, completely thanks for your time thank you very much for um, and we'll see you at one of your many Ventures soon, I'm sure. And listeners, buy Selin's book and go to Ockliver and yes, Kaiseri and Ockliver at Arcade Food Theatre and watch the theatre unfold. <laughs> um, <laughs> next week, we've got Stevie Paul, aka Greg from Succession. Bye. Goodbye. Say goodbye. 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 Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke. We do that all the time. It's always like, that. And then I was going, <laughs> no, say goodbye. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.